Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So special. Everybody, welcome to church. We're so glad to have you here today on Easter Sunday. And I think Jordan said it already, but you're welcome at any of our services, any weekend of the year, any Sunday, any Friday. And uh, you're very, very welcome at uh, each and every one of them. And I'd encourage you, please come again because uh, God's got something great for your life. And uh, it's amazing how if you come and if you give God an opportunity in your life, you will be impacted, blessed, and God will begin to do something incredible in your life, uh, which He's done in both mine and Sue, who just did communion our lives. We both went from Christian backgrounds. We didn't have our parents weren't Christians. And uh, what God's done in one generation just in our lives is uh, pretty breathtaking because our God is breathtaking. And uh, it's not just for us, it's for you as well, in Jesus' name. You know, Jordy just spoke, uh, so just shared out of the Word of God where the Bible talks about how uh, an angel appeared as the women came to the tomb. And he said these words, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. And uh, I love it, everybody. The Bible goes on to tell us that um, though the disciples, by the way, the disciples and all the people who were with Jesus, in Mark 14:50, it says they all forsook him and fled. So it says all the disciples, all the followers, they all forsook Jesus and fled because they knew that the Romans were after anybody who'd been with Jesus because they had the rumours that were all said that Jesus, not only uh, would they make sure that he was crucified and dead after putting him through the most uh, horrendous um, persecution and suffering leading up to his death, they were making sure that he certainly never got out of the tomb or that uh, any of his followers had anything of his or him. And uh, so to be near Jesus meant that your life was on the line. So in actual, I love how the Word of God is always telling the truth. Mark 14 and 50, 50, if you're wanting wanting to start a cult, you kind of wouldn't put this verse in there. They all forsook him and fled. You know, it's not the winning verse, but it's the reality and it's the truth. Here's the good news though. The Bible also goes on to say that they left in a group, but they all individually and immediately began to return to Jesus. And after Jesus appeared to the three, he then appeared to the 12 disciples. Then he appeared, the scripture says, to the 70. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that Jesus appeared at one time to over 500 people risen from the dead. And he actually said to Thomas, everybody knows doubting Thomas. He represents you and me. And Jesus actually said to Thomas, put your hands, your fingers into my wounds because and he's, I'm going to help you with your doubts. Put your, put your fingers and hands right into where I've suffered. And then Jesus uh, was with them for 40 days before he ascended into heaven to be with the Father. You know, when Jesus came to earth, everybody, you need to know that he was coming and his very name, Jesus, means the Lord who saves. The Lord who saves. Well, what does that mean? That means that Jesus was coming to save you and I from our sin, save you and I from blindness. I was blind, could not see God, couldn't understand Christianity, had no clue whatsoever. And uh, He came to save me from that. But most importantly, He came to save me from 
eternal separation from Him because God is completely holy and we have no concept of holiness today. I don't think we understand that really at all in our culture, what holiness even looks like, let alone have the concept that He is perfect light, perfect holiness, perfect love. And uh, so He's come to save us. And I love that Jesus came to restore you to Him and so that you could have eternal life. And uh, for all of us who think that intellectually, well, I'm just working out my own salvation. I have my own deal. I have my own thing. I have my own thinking intellectually. Listen, all the intellectuals. Jesus would never, ever had to come to earth, suffer, be persecuted, be torn apart, then killed on a cruel cross. If you could get there due to your intellectual thinking, your perception of salvation, your perception of eternal life, He would never have left heaven forever. He would never have left heaven at all if you and I can get there because we're smart. He would never have left heaven if you could get there because of what you think. He would never have left heaven and suffered that, would you? Intellectually? Heck no. But So when people think, I can do my own thing and I don't need, no, 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 stop and think intellectually again. God's son would never have left heaven. We would never have the story of his coming at all. Wouldn't have been there if there was any other way you could be saved except through his coming and his shedding of his blood. And which in the Old Testament, we saw how they offered up sheep and, and bullocks and they would offer them up to God and sacrifices. Why? Because it was through the shed blood that sins were forgiven. And the Bible tells us that Jesus would be the final lamb, the last lamb. That's why the Jews don't offer in the temple anymore. They have other reasons sometimes, but the real reason is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world has come. He's been, he's gone. And for those who put their faith in His sacrifice, you'll be saved. But you and I cannot be saved through our own works. You can't be saved through being good. You can't be saved through your philosophy. You can't be saved through astrology. You can't be saved through the new age. You can't be saved through Reiki. You can't be saved through following Buddha. You can't be saved. You you can only be saved through Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, so radically, He said, I'm the way. He said to the people, I'm the way. Not part of the map, I am the way. And then He said this, boy, do we need to hear this in 2023, I am the truth. In the era where everybody's truth changes every 25 minutes, depending on how we're feeling, emotionally or otherwise, Jesus says, I'm the truth. I am the truth. Do you want to know what truth is? He said, I'm not part of it. I'm not a piece of it. I'm truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he finished up by saying, no one comes to the Father but through me. No one comes to the Father but through me. Do you know there are probably a couple of thousand religions and things that people have come up with, but you need to know none of them have a Savior who died on the cross for you who gave up their life for you. And you can go to the burial place of many cult leaders or world religion leaders, but you can't go to the place and say, Jesus is buried here because He's, he's not there. The tomb is empty, everybody. That's why Christianity is so completely different because the tomb is empty. Jesus is not buried in the ground. He's now buried in my heart. 
And He lives by the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in your heart as well, in Jesus' Name. You know, if you go back in, in uh, history too and you look into the, uh, the burial of Jesus, even there, people don't usually realise, they kind of see kids' books on, you know, you'll see kids' books on uh, Jesus' burial and they have like a, a little stone being rolled over and you'll have a, an old man standing there as the guard. And they, I've seen that some of the kids' uh, books explaining the story of Jesus' crucifixion and rising from the dead. The reality was that stone was one and a half to two ton in weight. So I said the Romans were not letting Jesus out of there. And, uh, and the guard, the actual, when you look into the history of it, the guard is actually a Greek word, custodia. And when you look into the guard they put at the tomb, it was actually a 16 men killing machine, which they would roster on four by four. So there'd be four on all the time uh, to make sure that no one got near the tomb or into the tomb to get Jesus out. And those guards knew that if they let Jesus out, they would be killed. And, uh, and so when the stone was rolled away and they were nowhere to be seen, fear had gripped everybody because the tomb was empty. And that's when uh, the women, when they came to the tomb, they looked in, here's the angel of the Lord. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. So everybody was terrified. And the good, the good news, as I said to you before, when everybody who fled Jesus they all then ended up in the upper room waiting where Mary came and gave them the great news. Just as he said, he's risen. You know, uh, second part of Jesus' name, Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. His very name is letting you know this is the one. This is the anointed one who will save you from your sin, save you from yourself. And uh, he is the one. So even when people are blaspheming the name or using it as a swear word and they have no insight to the name, they are actually, even though their spirit may be wrong, they're still declaring to the universe, the anointed one has come. And, uh, and you know, Jesus in three years did so much that is, it's impossible to take in that in three years, he changed the world. And by the way, in case you're thinking, well, he got lucky and wasn't it a nice thing that is a Christian church. And uh, listen, there's absolutely no way that the early church would have taken off at all if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Absolutely no way. All the Jews who were uh, coming to faith, they would never have come to faith because there was nothing in it for them to follow Jesus. They were losing their social standing. They were losing their jobs. They lost their families. They lost their parents. They lost their culture. They were outcasts. And the only reason the Jews and Gentiles were coming to Jesus was because He was risen from the dead, just as He said. John 21, 25 says this, it says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did. Look what John said. He said, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written about Jesus. Amen. I love 2 Peter 1, 16. It says, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We were eyewitnesses, it says in 2 Peter 1.16. They were, we, were, we were there. We were witnessing. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. His majesty of who He was, the person of Jesus. He was majestic and so were His works. <laughs> what He did was completely supernatural, completely amazing. Healing the sick, going around, doing good, healing all, the Bible says in Acts, who are oppressed of the devil. 
And they said, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Everybody, God, through His abundant mercy, abundant mercy. If you think today you've gone too far, you haven't. Because God has abundant mercy for you. He has rich mercy for you. He, he, has, he has mercy for you when you go, I just deserve none. God says, well, I'm the God who has abundant mercy. And I decide again today to pour that mercy out on your life. Everybody, if you're a believer, thank God for His abundant mercy. If you're not yet a believer, thank God and receive His abundant mercy. Come on, can someone say amen to that? Because Jesus has risen, you get another chance at life in this life. Before Sue and I became believers, we both existed. And uh, Sue was actually uh, dating slash engaged to somebody who was a medium clairvoyant. She was getting into spiritual things, checked out astrology. I was just getting into sin generally. And both of us were blind to God. But God opened our eyes, listen, and He gave us a new life at the end of our teen years. Both of us got a new life. It's not too late for you to have a new life. God can restore to you the years the enemy, the devil's taken from you. He can begin to restore it. Doesn't uh, Your age, God can make it up quickly and start to uh, turn it around and begin to bless you and help you and give you a chance at new life in this life. But more importantly, God is wanting to give you a chance for eternal life. And that chance can be had when you put your faith and trust in Him. By hearing the Gospel today, there is, I like a better word, opportunity. There's your opportunity to come into a living relationship with God, but also receive the free gift of salvation. You know, for all of Jesus' ministry, three short years, some of us were still trying to get our driver's license. (laughs) After three years, Jesus is changing the world. And actually, even this, uh, this day up in Asia, you know, at least in Asia, there'll be a billion people who are right now honouring Jesus Christ because He is the Saviour of the world. I just pulled out a few people's lives who He impacted, who, you know, uh, many times as in Australia and New Zealand, America now, we've got familiar with God. We're so familiar with Christianity. We think we know God. We think we know Jesus. We think we are, yeah, we've moved on. We're progressives. And the reality is in thinking like that, we are causing regression around the world because the foundation of your freedom living in Australia is not the Labour Party. Just so you know or the Liberal Party. The foundation for your freedom in Australia comes from one person. His name is Jesus Christ. One person. What are our laws based on? The Bible, the Ten Commandments. Our government, the Bible, the Ten Commandments. Uh, Everything that we have freedom in the West is not based on some ethereal thinking. No, the moment you get people into power, gee, look out around the world, you get Pol Pot. You get Stalin, you get North Korea. As soon as people get into power, you will have every problem on the earth. Mao Zedong, uh, literally in the name of godlessness, they have killed hundreds of millions of people. And so in the West, where everybody wants a visa to, by the way, is where our foundations, even if we dishonour them, are still Christianity. 
Google Western civilization and you will see it is an overflow of Christian culture. And yet people know better. They think they know better. They're smarter. They're not. And we need to honour and remember Jesus daily and thank Him for the freedom that we have. I was just thinking um, Anzac Day's on the way and uh, I'll be remembering my great uncle Francis who died at 26. How sad, he was such a young guy. Went off and died in Flanders Fields in Belgium, was killed there, 26 years old. And people will go and honour on Anzac Day that they gave their lives, which is fantastic and we should. People stand at their front gate with a candle and they remember them. But more importantly... More, and they don't say this, it's not just that they died, but why did they die? What are we really honouring here? I'm honouring the fact that the majority of them went off uh, and they were giving their lives for faith, the Christian faith. They were giving their lives for their family. They were giving their lives for Australia and New Zealand, but they were giving their lives for the foundations that we live in. And today we have people removing the foundations who will rock up to Anzac Day, dishonouring everything they gave their lives for. Isn't that incredible? And they're removing the foundations, dishonouring the very thing they gave their life for. I'm like, you should stay at home <laughs> because we need to honour people for what they honour. What they gave, why did my uncle died? It's not for imaginary things, it is for faith. It's for the faith that undergirds our nation. It is for your freedom, it is for family, and it is for Australia. <laughs> William Wilberforce said his Christian faith compelled him to give his life and he devoted 25 years battling in the British Parliament to fight and abolish the slave trade which then affected the United States. But he did it, he said, because he was called by God, the Christian God, Jesus Christ, to set the slaves free. And he also set up homes for the elderly, where we got nursing homes from. Three days before his death, he heard the House of Commons had passed a law setting slaves in the British Empire free. The Reverend Arthur Broom, for all of us dog lovers and uh, can I say cat lovers as well. But the Reverend Arthur Broom, a Christian pastor, set up the RSPCA in relationship with William Wilberforce because the Bible actually says, be kind to your, your animals. It actually talks about them. And, uh, and so he set that up. So people who, RSPCA, where'd it come from? A Christian. Where did the slave emancipation come from? A Christian. British Lord Shaftesbury began to campaign for better working conditions for people and provisions for the disabled and the mentally ill. He also worked with William Wilberforce to fight the slave trade. And he was what? A Christian. John Locke, who was in 1700 had such an impact on British society. He said it was unintelligible and morally vacuous to uh, think of life rationally without God. And uh, he said about, and he said he had a revelation of that, sorry, of the fact that mankind is equal and that we should all have life, liberty and property. And everybody said amen to that one. John Wedgwood worked to abolish slavery and set up better conditions in factories. Hannah Moore was inspired by God to set up free schools for the poor. Elizabeth Fry, was a Christian, was inspired by God and His Word to work for the better treatment of prisoners who were treated abominably until she started that in the UK all those hundreds of years ago. Florence Nightingale 
Wow, you used to go to hospital, you'd get sicker every time you went to hospital. Now that can still happen today. But people go to hospital then, you would come out with several illnesses. And she worked, Florence Nightingale, inspired by God as a Christian to care for people, to give excellence under God, to God and to people. And today the hospitals and the care you get is uh, basically down to a Christian girl, a Christian woman who said, I'm gonna do this under God for the rest of my life. Everybody, these people are gone. It's now your turn. These people are gone. It's now your turn. And I want to just speak to all the Christians for one moment because at Easter, we all, we all love, yes, Jesus risen from the dead. But I just want to speak to you for one moment and say to you, listen, you may have forgotten after making Jesus Saviour that the Scripture over and over again calls Him Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, listen, then I want to encourage everybody on Easter Sunday to go and stop this coming month ahead and say to your Lord, what do you want me to do? What priorities do you want me to change? Anybody who's walking with Jesus, their priorities are changing. Anybody who's walking with Jesus have stopped talking about people because they're too busy talking about Him. Too busy talking about His purpose. Everybody, if Jesus is Lord, your priorities are changing. Sue and I changed social groups, people we hang with. We changed what we did on weekends. We changed what we did on Sundays. My mum didn't see us till church was over. My family didn't see me. My friends, we, things were changing. Why? Not because God was trying to stop us having a good time, but because He had a purpose for us. He had a plan for us. He wanted to grow us in His house and then use us. And then Sue and I have gone on to serve the Lord all these years now. And we are like different people. Those broken kids are gone. We're not perfect people, but we are a long way from those people because listen, we didn't just say, Jesus be Saviour. We read His Word and said, wow, He's Lord. And if He's not Lord of all, then He's not Lord at all. <laughs> C.S. Lewis the literary genius of our age. He wrote the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, which many people will know of. Professor of medieval and Renaissance literature at Oxford University. He was a giant in his field. No one could question his intellectual capabilities. He became a believer in Jesus Christ as his Saviour and Lord when he tried, listen to this, to refute the reliability of the New Testament from Oxford University. He set out to refute the reliability of the New Testament. And he said, I couldn't. I was one of the most reluctant converts, but I was brought to Jesus Christ because of my mind. <laughs> Everybody, C.S. Lewis speaking to all of us from the grave, saying, listen, try your darndest, everybody, but you can't outdo Jesus Christ and His Word is true. You know, in eternity, I think those who are in heaven and with the Lord, I, I, I think it's gonna be probably in some ways not as difficult as we think and as far apart as we think. I think sometimes it just comes down to how we come towards God and to the Word of God. You know, yesterday, uh, you just heard Sue do communion, but yesterday she cooked all day so that when the boys and our beautiful daughter-in-laws and beautiful grandchildren come today, Sue's got the meal ready. But I know after she's worked all day and she's put all of her love into making that meal, that the last thing she wants to see is our boys rock up and their beautiful wives and say, I'm not hungry. 
Anybody ever done a dinner? You cooked a whole dinner, slaved away. Then people, girls and guys, <laughs> you slaved away. And then people rocked up and they said, oh no, sorry, I ate today. And you put hours and hours into that meal. It's like the worst thing. Guess what, everybody? The reason many people won't be in heaven is just because when you come to the table of the Lord, even coming to the house of God today, is we come full. We come full. The only reason many won't be in eternity is because we come full. And you say, full of what? Full of ourselves. Full of what I think. Full of what I say. Full of my opinion. Just like I have to make sure when I get home, because people keep trying to feed me here at church, I'm going to be ready and empty for the meal that Sue is going to bring us today. Don't give me any more food, anybody. I'm going to be ready. Listen, everyone. When you get near God, you need to come hungry. You need to come empty. God will not force feed you salvation. God will not force feed you salvation. Why do some people know God and others like, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. I just, I can't see what they're talking about. I'll tell you the only reason, because one's coming empty. What does that look like? Lord, I don't know everything. I'm not you. I have opinions, but you have, I haven't changed the world, Jesus. If you're real, touch me, change me. Where others are like, no, no, I know, I know. Yeah, I know what I think about spiritual things. I know what I think about God. You're full. And God won't force feed you into His kingdom. He just won't. He's a gentleman. But for those who come empty, Jesus says, when you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. Jesus says to those who come hungry, when I feed you, you'll never go hungry again. And the disciples were like, what are you talking about? And He said, well, my food, in actual fact, is to do the will of my Father. I, in the world, I thought my life when I was young, it was sinful. I thought, oh, this is exciting. When I became a Christian, I was like, my eyes were so open to I was existing and doing things to fill the emptiness in my life. But I was full of myself. The night I came to Christ, 1981, February 17, it was a Tuesday night, check it on your diary. I've never forgotten the day or the night because I emptied myself and I said to God, I don't know if you're real. A lot of people think you are. You changed the world. I love great music. I looked into Mozart and I'm like, oh wow, he wrote that to the glory of God. Okay. Leonardo da Vinci, he painted that to the glory of God. You've changed every lives from the uttermost <laughs> to the highest, to the lowest. I was like, if you're there, please save me. Please forgive me. I meant it. Please forgive me. I need forgiving. I've sworn, I've sinned, I've done everything. Sorry. If you can give me eternal life, Jesus, please do. If you can give me hope, I'd like some hope, that'd be great. That night, as I came empty to the table, Jesus came into my life. Do you know what? Jesus actually spoke to the religious people. Some of us have had religious upbringings and we hide behind it. Oh yeah, my grandparents were church people. Um, my parents were church people. They went to church as well. Yes. And, uh, and so, you know, that's what we do. Jesus said to the religious people, because that's what they did. We, Jesus, we're fine. We're the Sanhedrin. We're the religious. We're fine. And Jesus said, there are prostitutes and thieves going into heaven in front of you. <laughs> Jesus nailed it straight out. If you don't think Jesus could be straight and 
<laughs> to the point. He said, there are prostitutes and thieves, they're going ahead of you. And then Jesus said, go out to the highways and the byways, bring in the broken, bring in the poor, bring in the disabled, bring in the sick, bring, in, bring them in because they're empty. And the reason you're not going to go to heaven is you're full of you. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. John 1.12, so powerful. But to all who believed and accepted Him, He gave them the right to become children of God. If you got fears today, everybody, I really felt this over this today, the whole day. It felt like the Lord wants to break fear off people. There's people here, you got fear. God wants to break fear off your life. Fear about your future, fear about your health, fear about your job, fear about your visa, fear about your kids, fear about where you live. He wants to break that fear off. Hebrews 2.15 talks about another fear. It says, and that He might free all those who the haunting fear of death were held in slavery throughout their lives. People in bondage, bound by the fear of when I die, where will I go? Jesus wants you to have peace and know that your eternal life is right with Him. You know, I told a story years ago, I was in Sydney in St. Vincent's Hospital praying for a young guy, 26. His name was Michael. His whole family were non-believers. Uh, he was a non-believer to that point. He had one cousin who was a Christian. She got me to come in, another one of my friends. I went in the room and was like, oh, I could feel, hang on, this is not a spiritual room here. And this young guy, he was ravaged with sickness and he had not moved for ages. He'd just been absolutely like, you know, just hardly breathing, just whipping, but not moving. And I remember she said, you've got to give him the Gospel, Pastor Jared. So I went and whispered in his ear and I just shared Jesus with him. And I said that God wants to forgive your sin. He wants to take you to a place with no more pain, no more suffering. You can be in His presence. And I started saying, telling you how much God loved him. And, uh, and here he was dying with, you know, he was so sick. He was so emaciated. And, um, and I took his hand and I said to him, Michael, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you're saying yes to Jesus today to receive salvation, receive, receive eternal life, just squeeze my hand. Just give me something, you know. And I remember as I prayed that prayer, when I finished, he moved his hand like this on his deathbed and he went and grabbed my hand. Even now. Even now that the Holy Spirit's touching me as I remember that. Because He grabbed my hand. And when He grabbed my hand, I'm not joking, the whole room filled with the presence of God. And the cousin started to cry. She knew straight away, He's going to heaven. And the family were like, what's happened here? And I just said, He just made His peace with God. He's going to be in eternity. And I leaned over and whispered to him and I said, I'll see you again soon. And he died a day and a half later. I know that in eternity... Mike will be there waiting to say hi when I get up there. And I'll see him healed and whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The world says you came from nothing. You live for no reason and you're not going anywhere particular. But God says you are made in His image with a purpose and a plan in mind. Thus, finally, Jesus says in John 17, this is eternal life. That, you, that they may know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. Jesus was basically saying, everybody, this is eternal life, that you might know me. Can we sing it? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. 
If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.